Hello and welcome to The Cigar Cast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Edmond, and I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Shane Reeves. Okay, I'm so excited about my cigar tonight. We're cutting through all the preliminaries. What I'm about to light up <laughs> is a Romeo 505 Nicaraguan. I have wanted to get my hands on that cigar since I heard it announced. This is the third one I've had, and they are amazing. I've sat here, I've sat all day fantasizing about sitting on the podcast, on the porch, across from a good friend, and smoking this stick. It's just, my mouth literally has watered all day. So uh, talk to me about it. Like, what is it, because everybody I know that smoked it has had nothing but good things to say, and I'm really excited about trying it when I can eventually get my hands on it. What is it that you like about it so much? Well, the wrapper is a Habano Jalapa, which is not, I don't know of any other cigar with that wrapper, which is, it's also, the binder is Habano Jalapa, and the filler is Nicaraguan, which I'm all about Nicaraguan. And it's different parts. Now, Jalapa is Nicaragua. It is also Condeji, Nicaragua, and Esteli, which Esteli, Nicaragua, we're all familiar with from Drew Estate's work. Right, as well as uh, I know Rocky does a lot of their stuff out of Esteli. Yes, there's a lot of a lot of good cigars come out of Esteli, Nicaragua, but Jalapa is different, and it's a different kind of tobacco. And I'm going to have to put even more research into this now that I'm really getting into what the wrapper is about. The review I seen said that this wrapper burns so aggressively it'll stay lit underwater. Sounds a lot like that cheroot you had a few weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, that, there'll be cockroaches smoking cheroots after the nuclear war. <laughs> but, but this cigar is just absolutely been amazing every time I've lit it up. Um, there's a box of these in my future, I have no doubt. And of course, as is the custom, anything Nicaraguan must have an orange wrapper. Yeah, we, we spoke about that last week. Uh, now... Were you able to find that at Crown Cigars at Austin's place? I know he's planning on bringing them in. Is that where that one came from? He's planning on bringing them in, but he does not have them yet. I had to go down the road to Franklin Cigar, which now we talk a lot about Crown, and Crown is a wonderful store. It's definitely my home store, but Franklin Cigar has a great humidor. Mm -hmm. They're down the road. Austin's still getting the humidor back in shape for Crown and getting it put together, and Franklin Cigar's been established for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so I enjoy going down there from time to time to get something that I can't pick up up there at Crown. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to that. I remember when the uh, when the the Romeo came out. I guess it was probably about five years ago, six years ago now. Uh, that was one of my favorite new releases that Romeo had had put out in a long time. And by all accounts, this is just going to be trumps on that. Well, and it's like the Monte from Monte Cristo was one of my favorites. They, they've done a good job rebranding a lot of their cigars. Um, a lot of the Cuban brands, I think that's what they're, in, what they're anticipating, is that when the Cuban brands are available in the United States, they need to have already established a separate identity. It makes sense, because then you're going to have the people come in wanting the Monte number twos, which money to, you know, which Cohiba, which, you know, so it makes a lot of sense to get ahead of the game and start really pumping some great stuff. And, you know, as I've talked about before, there's very little that I can get out of Cuba that I don't 
that I like more than anything I can get in the States as it stands right now. So why not separate yourself from a branding standpoint as well? Yeah, and I think that's I think that's a big part of it. Now, what are you smoking tonight? I am very excited about this. So I did stop by Crown Cigars on my way here to to pick up this cigar because he just got it in. It is the Illusione MJ12 Maduro. So the MJ stands for Majestic, the Majestic 12. Uh, the, the owner of Illusione Cigars is a little bit of a conspiracy theorist to a certain extent. Um, and the cigar is actually named after the group of scientists at the Roswell site in New Mexico. So that's kind of what the cigar is named after. And the MJ-12 is a fantastic cigar that you probably noticed in your local brick-and-mortar humidor as being the one in the full silver wrapper. Uh, that's a throwback to the old Cuban style of wrapping them in foil. Well, the MJ-12 Maduro comes in a full, like, black wax paper uh, wrapper. Underneath it is just a beautiful, rich, spicy cigar. This particular one is 6 inches by 54 ring gauge, right in my wheelhouse from a size standpoint. It's a Mexican San Andreas wrapper, which I don't smoke a lot of, but I always love it when I get my hands on it. And the binder and filler are both Nicaraguan, which we might as well have called this the Nicaraguan Cigar Cast. <laughs> Sponsored by Esteli. Right. Well, the San Andreas wrapper is always one of my favorites. Um, actually, Rocky has a new Rocky San Andreas that is out that I can't wait to get my hands on. Am I the only one that hears Falco when you say that? <laughs> Rocky San Andreas, Rocky, 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 Rocky San Andreas. The, um, Sorry. <laughs> that's okay. And I love the wrapped cigars. I love cigars that have that wrap that kind of comes out. Uh-oh, have we had a wrapper malfunction? Well, it's an audio podcast. I was going to let that go. but <laughs> Oh, no. I, th I think it's important when we have one of those that we... Expose, we talk to the world about it because it does happen. I lost about half of the cap or what was left over of the cap after I cut it, but it's a little bit of saliva and just a clean break, and I should be good to go. Now, do you think that's a function of the cutter you use, or is that because I've seen people actually take the cutter and squeeze it just to where it permeates and rotate it once to keep that from happening? I think it's a confluence of a lot of different things. I think it's the way the humidor, or I think it's the humidor the cigar was stored in. I think it's the cutter you use. I think it's the technique you use with the cutter. I think it's the way the cigar was manufactured. I think there's just so much that goes into it because I, I could pull every single cigar out of the same box, out of the same humidor, and still have some of them do it, some of them don't. It's not the end of the world. Because it was, like I said, it was just the cap. It wasn't like it exploded on me. And you know, it, it'll just, uh, we'll see how it plays out. And that is one of the good reasons to wet your cigar before you cut it. So long as you're not using a house cutter. As long as you're using a private cutter, a cutter used only by you, your wife, and a very, very close personal friend. So, but the, um, the I've had that happen, and you just, it, it just throws me off. And it, I think you're right. I think it's so many factors and it can even come down to which particular piece of the leaf did they make the cap out of? Was it closer to the stem? Was it further from the stem? Was it toward the base of the leaf or towards the tip of the leaf? And I think it could probably even come down to 
where on the leaf, on the cap you chose to cut it, you know, rotate it 90 degrees, it wouldn't have happened. You know, I, there's just so much variability there. It's one of those wild card factors in smoking a cigar. So moving on now that we're both lit up, relaxed on the porch. Well, I'm getting there. I'm only about two in. Oh, well. <laughs> we're, well, we're lit. our cigars are lit. Lighting ourselves takes a little more time. I'd, I'd like to say for the record, aside from that shot we had last week on the show, I have not drank since the St. Patrick's Day show a drop. <laughs> and all. I don't, it's just since the St. Patrick's Day show, I decided I would calm down. We burned you that hard, huh? <laughs> but so tell me about your week. So I, I'm glad you bring that up because I had one of the best evenings of my life last night. And normally I don't get too introspective on the show, but it does relate to cigars. And I, so when I was a teenager, I had this, this best friend, this guy and I were like brothers. And we, we met uh, in a creative writing group in high school and to the point that we ended up starting our first business together when we were 19. And this guy was there for the birth of my child. He was the best man at my wedding, the first one. And uh, he, he one and I, in a series of six. No, I'm stopping it too. Uh, but he, he and I had a falling out, and a, a pretty significantly hadn't talked or seen each other in seven years. I mean, just completely wrote each other out of our lives, and. It was one of those things that initially I was very bitter, and then as time has progressed, I just kind of stopped even thinking about it. Well, a couple of weeks ago, this guy sends me a message on Facebook, just kind of, hey, for whatever reason, you're on my mind, and you know, we used to be family, and I'd really like to see if we could patch up one of the greatest friendships of all time. I mean, we're talking tango and cash here. And so we messaged back and forth a little bit, and he lives near enough. And so we went out to dinner last night. And as I've mentioned on the show in the past, uh, I've been smoking since I was eight, so about 13 years or so. And so back in the time that we've known each other, I've always been a cigar smoker for a long time of it. And he was never much of a smoker. And then, so we go out to dinner last night, and it turns out in the period of time since we've, since we've you know, kind of hadn't kept touch, he's developed a taste for cigars. So we go out to dinner, we catch up, pick up right where we left off, um, just kind of proof of stubbornness only, you know, really punishes the person who holds the grudge, right? And had a great evening, but we capped it off by just sitting on the front porch smoking a couple of great cigars. And it was a perfect bookend to a great evening where, you know, I got to spend time with someone that is, whose, whose personality is woven into the fabric of my life. And it was just a really, I don't know, it just, to me, it, it, the cigars being involved made it a perfect evening because it just kind of showed what a, communal and fraternal type of uh, type of product it is. Well, and one of the things is, aside from sitting and enjoying a cigar, what else could two people do 
to share that time and that conversation. You're absolutely right. I mean, you know, I, I smoke I smoke a little faster than he does, and and so by the end of my cigar, a Tennessee Waltz, of course, I I was wishing it was three inches longer. And it was just because the conversation was go, so good, the company was so good that I didn't want the evening to end, and. It's, uh, yeah, I, I don't think, you know, you can go out to a bar, maybe, but then eventually the longer you spend in an establishment like that, the more the conversation deteriorates. Yeah, you know, when you're at a bar and you're drinking the first, you know, couple of beers in and things start deteriorating, plus you're in an area where there's so much activity, there's people coming up to you, there's people in a bar for every purpose in the world. Right. But in a cigar lounge, you're there to smoke a cigar. And then even on your front porch, or in my case, on my back porch, having a cigar, that's really what we're here focused on doing. Yeah, and it's just, it becomes, it becomes a celebration in and of itself. You know, we think about cigars, the it's a boys and it's a girls when a child is born, and we think about all this stuff, and it's just, it's a great way to, to, to celebrate at any occasion. And it could be just dinner you know it doesn't have to be a special occasion but it's it's always just a, a great opportunity to sit down relax and be present in whatever moment you're in well and when I sit down to enjoy my cigars I rarely have my phone on usually I have my phone if, if, if it's with me it's on vibrate and if I'm going to purposely enjoy a cigar of a friend I don't have it on um, you know my pastor is one of my best friends, and when he comes over here to have a cigar, that's what we're there for. And I usually have a special cigar from that night. I really know what he likes. He likes dark, rich cigars, and he doesn't get to enjoy them very often because his wife is not a big cigar fan. Uh -huh. So I always have something special, and I always remember, you know, the night when his first daughter was born— a couple of weeks later, he came over for us to have a cigar to celebrate, and we smoked the Sopranos cigar. And now, whenever I smoke the Conciliary, I think of Adeline. I think of his daughter. And when his second daughter was born, we had the Sons of Anarchy cigar. <laughs> and also, he can't have no more... I guess if he has another child, I'm going to have to try the Lucius Lyons, the Empire cigar. <laughs> I guess. I'm seeing a trend developing. Yeah, just variations on a theme. And all you would think for a childbirth, I would spring for a Padron, but... <laughs> well, I mean, it's... <laughs> but, yeah, it's, um, it's amazing how that can bring you together. You know, people... There's two schools to view cigars. You either view them as a habit or you can view them as a hobby. And I have always viewed cigars as a hobby. And if you've ever met the cigar nerd in your local brick and mortar or club or whatever it is, you can you can really really see that that's definitely the delineation because that person's going to rabbit hole on different leaves and different you know tobacco origins and and different sizes and and all of these things and it becomes you've got guys that have collections of cigars rare or their favorites or things that you could only get in limited quantities. Like there's, it's more than just stepping out back, you know, when you've got three minutes between shifts at the outback. Yeah. And it's easy to pick out those for whom it is a habit and those for whom it is a hobby. You know, I smoke one cigar a day 
most days. Sometimes I may go a couple of days and not have one. But some days I'm going to have three. Some days I'm going, you know, tomorrow, um, check local listings. It's Good Friday. And my whole life, it always impressed me. My father was a tremendously hardworking man. And I'll, thankfully, he's retired now. But he was a very hardworking man, but he never worked on Good Friday. He had a solid rule in his life. I don't care how busy I am, we're going fishing on Good Friday. <laughs> And tomorrow morning, I'm getting in my truck, and I'm driving down to Savannah, Tennessee to go fishing with my dad. That's, you know, and during that time, I'm going to have a cigar probably when we're sitting out there on the boat. I'll probably have a cigar if I can do it in between catching fish. And probably on the way home, I'm going to have one. Right. But if either of those opportunities aren't there to have a cigar, it's not going to be a big deal in my life. You know, and I've, I've recently come across that myself where... I'll be doing something, and the thought comes into my head, man, I'd really like to go have a cigar, but it's 9, 30, 10 o'clock. Like, uh, uh, I don't need it. You know, right. It would be enjoyable, but I know I'm up to 11, and then my tomorrow's going to be shot, and, that's, you know, and, and I can bypass it. That's why God made sunflower seeds. Well, I cut off my cigar smoking about 8.30 most nights. Uh, by 8.30, if I'm not finishing a cigar, I'm finished with a cigar. But I never start a cigar at 8 o'clock. If I get home from work and I've worked late and it's 8 o'clock, I'm not going to have a cigar that night because nicotine is a stimulant. Mm -hmm. Always remember, at the end of the day, nicotine is a stimulant, and my sleep is really, really crucial at this age. Yeah, and there's not, I mean, there's a lot to be said for the nights when I've not been quite tired yet, but it's been late enough that I should have known better, and then I end up sitting outside, smoking a cigar, watching a TV show or movie or something. Next thing I know, it's 11.30 midnight. And then I still can't go to sleep for another 30 minutes because I'm jacked up on nicotine. Yeah, so, you know, but that lets me know it is a hobby for me. It's not a habit. I don't have to have a cigar. I enjoy cigars, and I don't have to have a bad cigar. It's not like I'm going to be somewhere and say, okay, I forgot to bring cigars with me, which never happens. <laughs> but I forgot to bring cigars with me, and I'm going to stop by the liquor store and pick up a box, of, a pack of Swisher Sweets. Yeah, there was, a, there was a time in my life where even if the cigar was bad, I was going to finish it. And I've thankfully gotten past that point. And I think that's where the the investment versus the hobby, it has more to do with whether it's habit versus hobby. And there's certain things I enjoy more of a cigar. I enjoy poker more of a cigar. I enjoy when I'm playing poker, having a cigar to puff on, the nicotine stimulates me and I'm really engaged with that. I enjoy when I'm here on the porch and me and Glenda have several hours to kill. We Netflix and smoke. <laughs> that may be a new thing, Netflix and smoke rather than Netflix and chill. <laughs> but we'll Netflix, a, you know, and I, I love um, these classic four-camera situation comedy. I hope in our society we never lose the situation comedy. Um, you know, the great ones, Scrubs, I loved it, Last Man Standing, going all the way back to MASH. And I don't know how many cameras they used in MASH because they were the kind they had to roll with their hands. <laughs> it wasn't that long ago. <laughs> it uh, was two years before I was born. 
<laughs> but they still had reel to reel at that point. But no, I, I I think there's something to be said about that because there's there's always a situation in which the cigar the cigar is going to complement it, and for someone who enjoys the hobby, I think you're more likely to find those moments if you're seeking them out. And I wish there was a way for the public at large to acknowledge that. I wish people could understand, okay, I smoke cigars, but, you know, I can still get on the treadmill and run three miles. It's not a big deal. I'm not going to be sucking wind. I'm not going to be dying. I can get people half my size in the racquetball court and they'll be sucking, you know, the varnish off the hardwood. (laughs) Well, I think the testament to that for me is whenever I'm smoking outside, say on a a patio, like a walking patio where there's foot traffic or in line for a concert or something, and the people walk by and they go, oh, I love the smell. Like, so Bo passed the bar a couple weeks ago and I took him out to lunch to celebrate. And we were sitting out on the patio smoking cigars and, and eating lunch. And there was a table, there was only one other table that was occupied on the patio. And I got a little concerned that they were going to, you know, because at one point I could see the guy was like, you know, kind of sniffing around. And I was like, crap, you know, I'm usually pretty polite. And when it comes to that sort of thing, and he goes, no, I love the smell of that. I wish there was more, you know, I wish more people still smoke cigar. And every time I smoke in public, someone comes up to me and far more frequently than they say, ew, they say, oh, my granddad smokes cigars. I love the smell. And I think if people could kind of get past the the term smoking as being evil, then I think we could get to a point where more people could realize what a just tremendous hobby this is. Well, you heard it here first. We're blaming Nancy Reagan. <laughs> when I was a child, Nancy Reagan was against anything smoked, inhaled, or of any kind. So I'm blaming Nancy Reagan. But wasn't she talking to 12-year-olds? I was 12 at that time. (laughs) (laughs) So yes, she was. So I I can't necessarily, you know, all of that to say, you know, I can't necessarily take credit for my buddy getting into cigars, but it was really nice being able to share that experience with him this, you know, so many years later. Do you have someone that you've been able to turn on to cigars that you've had to kind of, that you've had that kind of experience with? Well, it's interesting because I don't have someone that I've turned on to cigars, but I have, I value mentorship in my life. Mentoring young men is really important to me. And I think mentoring young men leads to a fulfilling life. And there's something about when you are you know, divulging some of your wisdom to a young man having a cigar in your hand. <laughs> and all the, the, the class. In my day, <laughs> yeah. we had to use a flintlock pistol and hope it <laughs> caught the end on fire. And one thing we do have to, have to remember for etiquette tip of the week, never use your cigar to point. That is a breach <laughs> in cigar etiquette. Never point with your cigar. The lid end of your cigar should remain in complete control at all times. But sitting with a young men and when they ask a question, pausing, even, even if the answer comes straight to my mind, I like to pause and I like to take that nice slow draw off my cigar 
and really ponder what's fixing to leave my lips. You're living your life like you're in a four-camera sitcom, aren't you? <laughs> you're going for the dramatic... <laughs> the dramatic pause. Yes, I am. I've always wanted to be in a four-camera sitcom. <laughs> so that's just the, the way it is. I've, I watch very little reality TV. That's not one of my big things. But now, uh, back to cigars. Another cigar I had that for the first time this week that I really enjoyed was I had the La Flor Dominica Chisel Point Maduro. Is that the first time that you've had that cigar? That is. I've seen you smoke one on one of the podcasts before, and I hadn't acquired one. And last night, right before poker, or not before last, right before poker, Austin had them in the humidor. So I picked up a couple. And what is it about the shape of the chisel point that seems to fit so well into the mouth? I mean, have you just noticed it seems like that's the perfect delivery angle? Yeah, I, I really do. And it's funny because I'm not and I've mentioned this many times before, not a huge fan of torpedoes and the tapered ends. It's just not really, for some reason, that doesn't fit my mouth well. And the chisel, I just, I love it. You're right. There's something about that shape that inherently just works. And one of the things that I love about that cigar is that there is no wrong way to cut it. I've known people that punch the top and the bottom. I've known people that straight cut the end off. I've known people that cross V-cut the flat end. I've known, as I've talked before, the platypus where you long cut the V. Like, There's so many different ways to open that cigar up, and it really does change the way that you get the flavor of the cigar. So it's one of those where you can experiment to find which type of cut you like. And like I said, that's just a, it was a great cigar. And I smoked the chapter one also, which was just a chisel point. But I made the mistake of smoking it during poker. And I never feel like I give a cigar the proper amount of attention when I smoke it while I'm playing poker. Yeah, I don't feel like a poker game is the time to try a cigar for the first time. Yeah, I'm never going to smoke a great cigar while I'm sitting at the poker table just because... You know, you're moving, and most of the time I'm dealing anyway. I'm running the game and being sure everything's moving right. So most of the time, that's um, the most time that's not the time to have a good cigar. But I'm really enjoying this Nicaraguan. I think we ought to take a break and just take a minute to enjoy the flavor of our cigars, and then we can come back. Sounds great. We'll see you right after this. cigars with your cigar etiquette tip of the week. If a tip jar is on the counter and it does in fact have money in it, please refrain from cutting your caps off into the tip jar. And welcome back to the Cigar Cast. I'm one of your hosts, Shane Reeves sitting smoking a wonderful cigar, sitting across the table from Trey Deadman. Trey, how's the Illusione treating you? As good as I remember. You know, it's been a little bit of time since the last time I had one of these. And it's, you know, when you when you put a cigar down for a while and you don't smoke it for maybe a year or, or somewhere near to that, you remember how much you loved it. And then when you go to pick it back up, you hope it lives up to the hype that your brain has created around it. And this one has. 
Well, and I'm always cautious. We've spoken about this before, but I want to speak about it briefly. About if I enjoyed that cigar, you know, after I made a big paycheck or sitting on the beach somewhere or on the deck of a cruise ship, and then I smoke it later, I'm like, wow, this ain't as good as I remember. And it's it's setting. Yeah, it, it setting has a lot to do with it because it's... It's the whole, it's the experience as a whole, right? Um, it really tempers, it really tempers your memory more so than I think it does the actual flavor of the cigar. Well, and you know, like we spoke about in the first hour, somebody, or first 20 minutes, <laughs> wow. first hour. Yeah, we're, we're, we're really doing some editing here. Um, like we spoke about at the first part of the show, when people come up and say, oh, I love the smell of a cigar because it takes me back to my grandfather or this friend we had or... Something like that. And people have to remember, smell is probably the most closely tied sense to memory of any of them. It absolutely is. I mean, I found myself at St. Thomas Hospital a few months ago. And it was my first time there since 2000 when my grandfather was in intensive care there. And it was, so it's, we're talking 17 years since I've stepped foot between these, and it smelled exactly the same. Yeah, and, and there's much more pleasant smells. There's the smell of fresh cut grass. A lot of people like that. I like it as long as I wasn't the one that had to cut the grass. And there's the smell, I love the smell of asphalt when it's hot and it rains. I do too, and I... I'm one of those weirdos also that loves the smell of them actually laying fresh fresh asphalt as long as I'm not a captive audience. You know, when I'm driving past the roadworks and I get that smell, I really love it. But if you've ever been, you know, mowing the grass or something for three hours on a hot summer day while the road crew was right next to the yard, it gets a little nauseating. <laughs> and well, and we were in um Mexico and we were riding dune buggies and that's one of the things I love about if you go on a cruise this is a free tip for everybody out there when you're on a cruise take the dune buggy excursions um, yes you're having a Viking moment because there is a chance you end up in a Mexican hospital but in the event you survive it is always I've done it in Costa Maya I've done it in Cozumel three times I've done it in um uh, Progresso, Progresso. We actually went out to the salt flats and saw the flamingos and the ruins. And I love their soup. <laughs> Wrong Progresso. <laughs> oh, this this is a small fishing village that they built a cruise port at, and it smell. And speaking of smells, it smells like <laughs> a small fishing village. <laughs> and uh, there's there's nothing replaces the smell of a fishing village. You just know. Yeah. <laughs> there's something about the birds circling overhead is a really great indication as well. Yeah, as long as they're not buzzards. <laughs> but it's a very different smell altogether. But so speaking of Mexico, the cigar that I'm smoking has a kind of unique heritage that I've been reading up on. So as I mentioned, it's a Mexican San Andreas wrapper. The the binder and filler are both Nicaraguan, but according to everything I can read on it, the country of origin is Honduras. You know, there are so many countries out there right now that are making great tobacco leaves. Unfortunately, ours is not necessarily one of them. And so I'm just kind of curious, you know, 
we've, we talked about how often we smoke Nicaraguan cigars and we have an affinity for them, but what does the country of origin and what does the country that tobacco was grown in, how much does that affect the cigar? See, that's gigantic for me is where the cigar is from. And it's, there's two components there. There's one, this style of rolling. Um, I can really tell a difference in a Dominican rolled cigar and a Cuban style rolled cigar or a Nicaraguan rolled cigar. It seems like the principle is the same, but the artistry is just a little different. And cigar rolling has been passed down through so many generations. It has become regional. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't. I would. Lo- I would love to know who the Michael Jordan of the cigar rolling industry is. Uh, that's <laughs> who he can do all the different styles, and he's always like gone by ten a.m. He's like, oh, I've done my boxes for the day. I'm out. Well, you know, every um, he's got his own shoes. <laughs> yeah, <he's, laughs> he has shoes. Air fuegos. <laughs> but, but you know, in every sport and in every art, you know, you've got your Mozart, you've got your Beethovens, which are virtuosos. I guess that's what I should have said because I. I it's, more closely related to a Beethoven or a Mozart, the art of rolling a cigar, than to a Michael Jordan or a Babe Ruth. And I would love to trace the roller back. You know, we talk about different, uh, you know, on a past episode, we talked about Avo having fantastic construction across the board. All the, you know, Perdomo, I never have a problem with con- construction. I, I would love to trace who rolled this box. And if how how many times that I've had a great constructed, greatly constructed cigar, you know, if it's the same roller out of this factory that's just that good at it, or if they're just all that good. Well, um, Don Pedro Gonzalez, who I've spent a lot of time talking to about his factory, and most of the times he has husbands and wife teams rolling his cigars. The husband will write, roll the binder and the filler, and the wife will put the wrapper on, or vice versa. And he has, um, he has 72 employees, he has 36 teams, and he limits them to rolling 300 cigars a day. They're only allowed to roll 300 cigars a day no matter what. When they hit 300, they have to go home, and they're paid per stick. So, and I think that's an that's a important quality control issue. His draw is his pride and joy. He actually takes his draw very personally. Which I really admire. Well, yeah, because that's the that's the pulse of that cigar, you know, and it's it's really interesting. If you ever get a chance to take a factory tour, you'll notice that the most experienced rollers sit at the front of the room, going and going progressively younger, in air quotes, as you get to the back of the room. And as the day progresses, the people at the front of the room will have filled their orders because the industry standard is to pay by the stick. So as long as all of your sticks pass quality control, you go home. You've, you've made your limit for the day. And you know, as these guys towards the back of the room that are still learning the artistry, that are still learning how their hands work, so to speak, they'll submit a box. It doesn't pass muster. They've got to do it again. And, you know, and so it's, it's funny to watch that. At least that's what I'm told because I haven't had the opportunity. But you know, it's it and as, as the day goes on, you see the basically the the rolling tables just get further and further to the back of the room. It's kind of interesting. 
Well, and the master roller is who's rolling your Perfecto and your Solomon and your larger ring gauge or more complicated cigars is who the master roller is. If you're a novice roller, you start out probably rolling a Rothschild or something very, very small, kind of, um, I think it's as much anything. Okay, if you goof up a Rothschild... Right. You've only wasted X amount of tobacco. And I've actually heard that that's exactly what it is. It's, it's Robustos, Coronas. Very few people make a Rothschild anymore, but you're right. It's all about, you know, if you, if you can learn on this, you know, if you mess one up, we didn't lose very much money in the process. And then, you know, you work your way up to Toros and baseball bats and, and then the Colibres. Yeah, the... Um and that's one of my biggest fears with the FDA regulations in the cigar industry is that I'm going to lose Solomon because that is my favorite shape of cigar. I love the Solomon is tapered on the front and on the back and the entire cigar. It's not football shaped. It's not that uniformed. But if you extruded the back end of a football out, that would kind of be a Solomon shape. Well, it kind of reminds me like if, if a Figurado took Viagra. It's kind of what I think about when I think about Solomon's, although I try not to think about it too much. <laughs> <laughs> now, to me, Nicaraguan tobacco is king. I'm just, I'm always going to be a fan of Nicaraguan tobacco, and their style of rolling tends to deal more long leaf, less short leaf filler, and it holds together well. I don't get little pieces of it in my mouth. Um, common Nicaraguans. We speak about the Romeos, and we speak about the Illusiones. Anything out of the My Father Factory. Um, you, you know, but, and to me, I think it has a lot to do with their soil and their climate. More so than the rolling is the fact that they tend to be spicier, more flavorful cigars. Whereas the flavor I get out of a Dominican cigar, like an is going to be more, like a Davidoff, for example, or a Fuente, is going to be more... Nutty. It's going to be more earth tone, earth flavors. You know that leather, nutty, um, earthy flavor I get out of that versus the spiciness I get out of Nicaraguan tobacco. And that's one of the one of the hallmarks to me of Dominican tobacco is it seems to be less long leaf and more chop style filler. I'll get a little more. Um, piece of cigar in my mouth out of a Dominican, especially if I straight cut, I'm almost always going to either punch or V-cut a Dominican cigar. Rarely am I going to straight cut a Dominican, a Fuente. Fuentes are old Dominican. And I wonder how much of that is factory versus region. You know what I mean? Uh, just based on, like you mentioned, it's a generational thing. And most of the people from subsequent generations are going to go work for the same person that employed their father and their grandfather and their uncles and their everybody. And so I wonder how much of that, at least at this point, now that we're several centuries into cigar smoking, how much of that comes from the lineage of the roller as much as it is the region where it was grown. And I wonder why we don't see much Turkish tobacco. All my life growing up, um, when I watched the out-of-Africa type um, big game hunters or the, the men of leisure who are out there doing that, they always spoke of Turkish tobacco. And I don't think I've ever had Turkish tobacco. 
From my understanding, it's similar to American tobacco in the fact that it doesn't grow in such a way that it would make very good cigars. Most Turkish tobacco or into uh, mixed with flavor and molasses to be smoked out of a hookah, which is very common in that part of the world. That's true. The pipe blends also come from there, and I imagine that has a lot to do with it. Now, the main thing that I've learned about American tobacco is the labor involved in putting together a hand-rolled cigar is so intensive, it's so hard to pay someone minimum wage to do that. Well, yeah, you're essentially paying someone $10 an hour to do brain surgery. Yeah, and, you know, a cigar, like we said, a cigar um, roller is, he's half artist, half mechanic. And those kind of people fetch a prime price in America. And I think the, the closest corollary that I can draw here is, you know, here in the South, over the last decade or so, we've seen a, um, a boom of local wineries popping up here and there. And they're all growing their own grapes and making their own wine and things like that. And it's great because if you want to do little tours and things like that, especially in the South, most of the grapes are so sweet that it doesn't fit my wine palate. But they do make some really good dry wines. The problem is they are so flippin' expensive. And it's that same principle. You know, it takes a lot more in the U.S. to do what France can do, what Argentina can do, what Chile can do. And, and I think you apply that same principle to cigars or tobacco in general, and I think that's kind of what we're staring down the barrel at. You know, I can go to Arrington Vineyards right down the road from here, and I can buy a fantastic bottle of wine for $30 that tastes as good as a $13 bottle of wine that I can buy in the grocery store. Or box of wine, whichever whatever social class you're in. <laughs> Actually, box wine's the thing now. Don't be talking bad about box wine now. Uh, if I show up at a party and you have a box of wine, you have automatically lost <laughs> lost credibility in my eyes, especially... No, that is for home consumption only. If you take a box of wine out and you pour it in a glass and you swirl it around and you sniff it, you're just being pretentious. It's a I'm box. bringing you a Boda box next time I come over here. <laughs> I'm just not a boxed wine type guy. But um, kind of putting ahead on the different origins of tobacco, spend a little time really reflecting on the tobacco in your cigar. Take a few minutes because last night we were at the cigar shop and a new cigar brand was there and the guy brought me one. Um, I purchased, excuse me, in case the FDA is listening, I purchased one at a bargain. <laughs> And he brought me one, and, you know, give this a try. Tell us what you think. And I said, okay, I need to know the origin of the tobacco. And his whole mannerism changed. It changed from, okay, I am greatly discounting a cigar to this young man, and um, he's going to smoke it, and he may or may not, to, okay, this guy knows cigar. Right. I'm now dealing with someone who understands cigars because he's going to understand 
His ex- my expectation of a Dominican cigar is far different than my expectation of a Nicaraguan cigar. And I think having the proper expectation going into cutting and lighting and enjoying a cigar makes all the difference in the world. It's the same thing when you go to a restaurant and you order Dr. Pepper and they bring you Mr. Pibb. They're not the same thing. But if you know what you're getting, it's a very different experience from if you don't. And I think even more so than understanding the nuances and the intricacies of the regionality of the tobacco that you're smoking is just knowing what you like. And that all comes from experience and experimenting with different cigars, different manufacturers, different, you know, it, it, it all plays into that because they're, everyone's palate is so wide and varied that maybe you prefer, I've several friends that prefer Dominican tobacco to uh, Nicaraguan or to Honduran or whatever it is. No one's right or wrong, but find out what you like and find out what you like about it. Find out why you prefer Nicaraguan. Find out why you prefer Dominican, whatever it is and look for cigars that maybe don't fall into those prejudices, for lack of a better term, but that complement the flavor profile and kind of learn the differences. And while we're talking about that, about deeply discounted cigars, I think we've come to the point in the show we do need to talk about our cigar under $8 tonight. I think I'm remaking Rock Me Amadeus to be our intro music for this segment now. (laughs) I was was thinking, you know... (laughs) I was thinking something like Ride of the Valkyries. It's a cigar now. It's a cigar now. <laughs> under eight dollars. Oh, sorry. <laughs> but you marker. All, yeah. Hard to believe that I live in Nashville and can't sing any better than that. But our cigar under eight dollars. Something I do note. Not. I want to talk about the Illusione Rothschild. Aaron at the cigar shop introduced me to this cigar. Now, this cigar, it's a four and a half by 50. That's on pretty much the smallest size of cigar I will smoke. And I generally stay away from them because I don't want a small cigar. I want a nice, long-lasting, you know, 45-minute to an hour smoke. But Aaron spoke to me, and he said, I love this cigar. You have got to try smoking one. So I did, and I, I really love it, you know. The price on this, you know, you're talking about a suggested retail price of four ninety nine. Yeah. So a five buck cigar, and I was amazed. It was absolutely amazing. It any time I've seen that cigar go into a shop, it doesn't last long because it, it's one of those it's one of those unsung heroes that comes in a plain box. It's no cellophane, simple band. And so people walk by it all day long, but as soon as you smoke it, you understand what you're getting out of that cigar. And it's, I'm a big fan of Illusione just across the board, but they value for money any cigar in any humidor. That Illusione Rothschild is going to just, it's going to change your world. Well, if it's a Nicaraguan binder and filler, and it does have the San Andreas wrapper. And again, we spoke earlier about the San Andreas wrapper being something that I'm that I love so much. And like I said, I was blown away when Aaron suggested it to me. It would have been my second cigar of the evening, and my first cigar had been a little lacking. I had picked something that I hadn't smoked before and that was new, and I, I wasn't overly impressed with it. But this Rothschild just absolutely blew me away. I really, really enjoyed it. If you're in the humidor and you see them, drop the fiber. It's well worth it. Absolutely. 
Now, Illusione puts out a lot of really good product. I've really been impressed with them as a company as a whole. Getting them getting them into the humidor and I think it's like you said they just they go so quick it's hard for the people to keep them in their humidors. And a lot of their cigars are very similar in blend, but they really experiment with those blends in different shapes. You've got they do they actually do a really good Candela, and I know I've gone on record on this podcast saying I'm not a big Candela fan. Uh, theirs is actually really, really good. You've got uh, several Lanceros in their lineup. You've got the Rothschild, and then you've got also, which one of us smoked on a previous episode, the Illusiona Gigantes, that is a very similar blend to the Rothschild, but a very different flavored cigar. Uh, the just the 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 way it's blended and the different thing, it just it comes across your palate differently. And I think they do a really good job of doing what they do very well and putting a lot of effort into making sure that that's the case. Well, over the course of this podcast, I've smoked about two-thirds of this Romeo Nicaraguan 505. Everybody get one. Um, Romeo should send me a check for how much I've pitched this cigar tonight. But I have a feeling you're going to be sending them a few checks here in the future. <laughs> yeah. I mean, absolutely been a great cigar. I had a great time tonight sitting with you, Trey. Um, congratulations on having your friend back. Thank you very much. Um, I know that's Friends are valuable. People can complain all they want about social media. But more stories like yours of people who probably would have never got reconnected without it right, are out there than stories of, you know, terrible things on social media or people saying terrible things. Of course, the best thing on social media for this week for me has been the amount of um, memes about getting ready to fly United. We have red eye and black eye flights. Um, if you go on YouTube, this has nothing to do with cigars, but if you have um, YouTube, go and type in Gracie United um, Demonstration because the Gracies who created Jiu-Jitsu, Hoist Gracie created it many years ago, and so many of his sons have taken over, and now his grandsons, they have a whole video of how to get out of if you're being drug out of an airplane, <laughs> how to trach it to an arm bar, how to put them asleep and put them in the seat. They, one drags the other one, and the other one does all the action. It's the funniest thing you will see all week. <laughs> so um, I'm done. How about you? All right. I guess, I guess that's it for this week. I do want to remind everybody that you can get in touch with us every week. If you want to talk about it, if you want to bring up a topic that you want us to cover, or if there's something that we said that's complete and total fallacy, uh, drop us a line at info at thecigarcast.com. You can always follow us on Twitter and Instagram at thecigarcast, facebook.com slash thecigarcast. And I also, speaking of my friend, that uh, he actually has a podcast that he does as well called uh, We're Gonna Need a Bigger Show. It's all about pop culture and movies and things like that. It's very media heavy, but they do a great job over there. And if you're looking for something to fill the void between us every week, I definitely recommend you to go uh, give those guys a shout. Well, sounds good, and we'll see everyone next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody.